This episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. My name is Drew. And I'm James. How's it going, James? It's going great. <laughs> uh, that was a real switch up. Yeah, but cool. Yeah, it's going really well. Had a very busy week. Had a very busy, uh, we have a very busy month ahead, actually, too. We do, yeah. It's uh, April. So what did you think of the Google mic drop? Oh, I actually read an article about that this morning where people were mm-hmm. pissed off or they're PO'd. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, there, I saw one. There was a guy who said that he had this article that he submitted mm-hmm. to uh, to his editor, and then he accidentally clicked the mic drop thing after. But the the uh, article that he submitted was in response. It was an edit, like a version two, yep. and it was in response to someone saying, "Hey, I need you to change all this stuff." <laughs> and so when he sent it back, it was basically like saying, you know, whatever, and mm-hmm. no, and you, you can't respond to it, which is really weird. Yeah. So I don't know. It seemed like a. A cool idea, but a bad idea at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, it's a really interesting uh, kind of user experience story mm-hmm. where it, it it definitely highlights that people don't read. Sure, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're just like, oh yeah, it's something changed. I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Bam. But the first thing I saw was like, oh cool, there's this little animation, and I read it, and I was like, oh yeah, that's. Wait a second. Oh yeah, it's yeah. April first. <laughs> yeah, and so. also, well, they had the two buttons side by side, which is like mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a UI no no, especially when you have something that you're just like a joke. Yeah. Um, also, they were different colors, but they weren't. There usually there should be like a warning, like, "Hey, are you sure you click want to click this button?" Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge deal. And um, there's the mic on it, and the yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like so have like, an alert. A very small. This is like a this is a, mm-hmm. a, a UX learning moment for for everyone out there <laughs> who's like designing stuff and like yeah, if they click this, I it, guess it immediately delete. On the other hand, I think it was a really um, just my opinion here a really good April Fool's joke, and the yeah. people that got pissed off at that, <laughs> haha, April Fools. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, isn't that the spirit? I've Aren't you the fool? Really... Like that, they're the fool now, I guess. Right. I've never uh, really uh, been one of those people to put, you know, um, saran wrap on the toilet or yeah. salt in the sugar jar or whatever. But uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I think in college one time, my uh, roommate put a uh, a bucket of water above mm-hmm. my door. Yeah. And I think I, this was like a week after we started living together in our yeah. in our room, our dorm. And like, we didn't know each other. So I was like, yeah. what the hell, man? Yeah. We became friends after. But, you know, first week I was basically was initiated. Rocky. Yeah. And I ended up slipping on the floor <laughs> <laughs> trying to kick him. All right. But, uh, so let's, yeah. uh, let's hop into it. Sure. Meetups around town. So what did you do last week? Well, last week, um, I didn't go to as many things as I wanted to because we started getting really busy with work. But mm-hmm. I definitely made it out to uh, get help. That was on Monday uh, at 5 p.m. So it was uh, Easter Monday and Moose's Down Under was closed. So we went across the street to, yeah. um, uh, what's that place? The Butcher and Bullock. And I actually liked it better. Mm-hmm. So where's Mo- uh, so 8.30 West Pender? That's right. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. We were just across the street. And um, like I said, I liked it a lot better. Uh, Adam had a really nice looking uh, setup on his uh, Chromebook. Oh, yeah? But um, yeah, we kind of talked and we decided that it would be better to have uh, actual takeaways and mm-hmm. to get a GitHub repo going. Yeah. So we have kind of starter projects on there. Yep. And it was pretty fun. And after that, that kind of just led into the HackerNest Tech Social. Yeah, I went to HackerNest as well. Yeah. And uh, so did a bunch of our listeners. I actually bumped into someone right away, and they're saying, "Hey, yeah, I listen to the show." I was like, "Sweet!" So that was over yeah. at Wish Pond. They were great hosts, and uh, I think the air conditioning didn't seem to be on when we first got in there, but then it seemed fine for the rest of the night. And yeah, it can uh, get a little toasty, but uh, it was fine. I was fine. I yeah. think you have to make a you have to make a choice at the beginning. Do you leave your jacket on to cover up the pit stains, or do you mm-hmm. take it off and be cool and free? That may be a choice you have to make, yeah. but uh, I didn't yeah. have to make that. So for, so for some of our more uh, for the sweatier humans out there, yeah, make that choice. If you leave your jacket on too long, you're basically stuck. <laughs> you have to basically leave it on. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's a nice thought. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then I made it out to uh, actually Wednesday was really nice. Um, I met up with a friend of mine, Luke, who does uh, some pretty cool stuff. You should check out his GitHub. Mm. It's uh, GitHub.com/slash/flukeout. So he's made some nice. he, some pretty cool uh, sort of games and things like that. Yeah. Um, among which is uh, uh, CSS Diner, mm-hmm. and this new one he's got it's Pixel Racer. So it's this uh, it, it's kind of like 
have you ever played that really old game Sprint? I don't think so. For what old. system? Uh, I think like arcade. Oh game. wow! No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> like pre-system, pre-system <laughs> console. When the system games. was like the size of a yeah, an entire TV. So set. basically, you have like a pixel yeah. uh, racing around a track kind of thing. Okay. And um, anyway, it seems really cool. So it just happened to be that we were you know catching up over beer, and it was full indie night. Mm-hmm. So we're like, let's go, let's check this yeah. out. So we went over and uh, saw some pretty cool talks. People got to play his game, um, had some beers, and it was a lot of fun. There was actually. Uh, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he said something like uh, like five or six years ago, him and his wife sold their house mm-hmm. so that he could work on this game that he released that day. Wow. Yeah. So I went home and bought it nice. uh, on Steam. It was like $15. Nice. It's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. And what was the game called? Um, it was Bunker Punks. Bunker Punks? Bunker Punks. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty awesome. The only difference between... Uh... I didn't go to the GitHub, but I did go to Hackernest. I also went to Tech Vancouver, which I think I spied our our future guest on uh, at Tech Vancouver. What what was uh, Tech Vancouver all about? There was four presentations, mm-hmm. I think it was four. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was basically this similar to the last one. So for people that don't know, the Tech Vancouver came to Vancouver basically last month. Yeah, the first one was at Unbounce, and uh, it it's it it originally started in Toronto and uh, has grown across the country, or they're starting to grow it across the country. And uh, this one was uh, was really good, actually. And the speakers were really nice. There was one guy talking about his games company. And uh, he was basically saying they built a Facebook game, the Pot Farm game. So their mm-hmm. company builds Pot Farm, the game. And he was talking about how he basically managed to get users or how they all the challenges that they face and how important using analytics was. Mm-hmm. And there was another guy uh, from the site marketingiseasy.com. I forget his name, but it's just a single guy. And he's been... He's been like the marketing director at a ton of giant companies, and he was talking about things like um, why being good can be just as great or just as effective as being excellent. He talked about interviews and where you, you have like if you had an interview test, people that ranked super high in the interview didn't do any better in the job than people that ranked like middle or upper middle. So he was saying his is and he showed different numbers as far as like testing generally and even just um, design and stuff like that, how just going that that extra step or that extra hiring that person that's extra special maybe doesn't actually make a difference. That's pretty interesting. I'd really like to see the interview process that he's yeah. using. Yeah, he was talking about um, two two uh, giant business consulting companies. Something Merkel, I think, was the one. Um, and he actually worked there. And he said, "Yeah, I looked at all the, the data." He was like a big data crunching guy. Mm-hmm. I looked at all the data. Um, you know, people that scored low and people that scored high, there was really no difference once they got into the job. So he's saying that even though this company built the most out of all of the other companies that they're competing with, mm-hmm. they really weren't any more effective just because they had a crazy interview and they build a lot. It really didn't mean anything. That just, yeah, again, that just really screams to me, check your process, your interview yeah. process. Maybe yeah. uh, iterate over that again. Because sure, I, I, I get what you're saying that, you know, people who do excellent in a in a situation and people that don't do excellent, yeah. um, that doesn't make any sense to me that yeah. uh, if the interview is mm. testing, it's obviously not testing the right well, things. I mean, you're, you're in education for a long time. You probably know that school grades don't necessarily correlate with success after school. I was also in HR doing interviews yeah. um, and so iterating you know. <laughs> over the interview process. Yeah. And we found quite different data mm. uh, also. And I think that that's... It's just a very strong sign that maybe, you know, not maybe at all, that you're testing things or interviewing for things that aren't necess- that aren't applicable to what you're, uh, the data that you're looking at later. Sure. Or maybe like you're, you can figure out, well, maybe your test is broken. Like maybe you're testing for the wrong things. Cause, That's exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So your testing is broken, your interview is broken, whatever mm-hmm. that may be, is because your outcome is actually just a scatter graph, completely mm-hmm. unorganized and random. That actually reminds me of an article that someone posted in the YVR Dev Slack mm-hmm. about the um, why Agile was broken mm-hmm. and how it basically just turns into waterfall eventually. Um, and the guy there was saying that he was a consultant and he had these all these Git scripts mm-hmm. for analyzing the code and who was the biggest contributor. Yeah. And so he would go into a room cold, you know, in the uh, at, but people wouldn't know that he was actually researching the company behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And he knew in that room exactly who was the most valuable person. And uh, in, I read the whole article and there was one part where he was saying, yes, I did this for a company. I went in, the, C, the CTO or whatever was saying that, uh, you know, we're, we're, there, we're here, we're here, we're here. These people are the best people here and here. And he knew that there was like one guy who wrote like 90% of the commits or who committed 90% of the code. And he knew the CTO just wasn't managing the team. And he convinced the CEO mm-hmm. to fire the guy. Mm-hmm. He said that, look at these stats, look at these analytics. 
something here is broken. There's like three people doing like 90% of the work mm -hmm. and these other people are doing, you know, a, a, a contributive 10% amongst the, that rest of them. And this guy isn't managing the team. So they just fire the guy because mm -hmm. it was like, here's stats. These stats don't lie. We are looking at them and this is how it that, That's a pretty uh, loaded statement, I think, as well. These stats don't lie. Uh, yeah. I think anybody who's done any very much with statistics sure. at all can see that there's a lot of different ways you can read into them. Yeah, I think that you could probably, I don't know another way you could pivot that um, that uh, granular of a, of a statistic where it's here, here are the people that contribute the most lines, which no lines doesn't necessarily mean functionality, right. but we can see, but the guy was saying, I've analyzed the code, not only the code, but the people that contribute the most mm -hmm. or the most active mm -hmm. and the most active people are probably the people that are the most valuable, mm -hmm. whether they're maybe excellent or good. Sure. I mean, I could take that statistic and fire all of the managers anywhere because mm. they're not contributing to the code base. Well, it wasn't about um, <laughs> it wasn't about people contributing to the code base. It was about who how is the team working? Mm -hmm. The team wasn't working very well because some right, people right. working super hard, some people weren't. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it can definitely be a powerful thing. And mm. when you when you come to someone and you say, look, I've analyzed this. Here's yeah. the data. Uh, here's what it says. Yeah. Here's what we should do. It's kind of hard to argue against that. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, when we we're young children and you read something in a book, mm. and you're like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Green eggs and ham actually exist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And so oh, yeah. that, what other meetups did you get to? I went to, to VanQ. Nice. So yeah, that was the intro to feature de development and deployment with GitHub and Travis CI. All right. I really wanted to make it out to that. Uh, I didn't get a chance to because we just got slammed with work, but uh, how was it? Yeah, it was short and sweet. It was mm -hmm. really great. The presentation probably lasted just under an hour. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up asking a lot of questions after because I missed the first little bit because I ended up going in the wrong direction, walking uh, yeah. to the meetup. But uh, <laughs> uh, when I arrived with my sore feet, I dived right in and asked a bunch of questions. So, Was it uh, a hands-on sort of presentation or was it a sit and watch? It was a sit and watch. Um, he did. It was sort of an open presentation format. People mm -hmm. were asking questions while he was working on the, on the code. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize this about Travis was that you can run arbitrary scripts. They don't have to be... Like there doesn't have to be the build and then the tests. You can run like a script that does anything. So he showed a Travis file that uh, would actually hit hit Slack when the mm -hmm. build was done. So you can make external calls. And this was in the Travis file, not even in, but you can run like an SH file or a PY file. You can run a script, like a regular script, like you would on your local machine mm -hmm. to do things for you, which I didn't even realize that you could do. So yeah. I learned something new today because I, 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 I talk about Git hooks quite a bit, mm -hmm. but this is like very similar. But with Git hooks, I have to write a lot from scratch, whereas this like basically does exactly what I want. This is a Git hook, <laughs> and I can visualize it and all that stuff. So, and it's free for uh, projects that are not closed source or not private free for open source, right? Yeah. Um, I heard it's pretty pricey for closed source stuff. Yeah, um, I think it was one fifty a month. Mm -hmm. So that can per be user? quite a bit. Uh, per repo, or oh. I think it maybe gets you. It's like GitHub's model, mm -hmm. where it's like the open stuff is free, but once you want private, it's it's more money. Mm -hmm. um, I think there was uh, it was like 150. I'm not sure 100, percent but it was something around there for like a group of private repos. So mm -hmm. I think it's the similar model to GitHub. The more you pay, the more private repos you get, et cetera, et cetera. So makes sense. Yeah, it was cool. So I forgot to mention actually at the full indie, I wanted to to talk a little bit about some of the presentations, which were really awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them. There was, uh, I can't think of the game, but I'll, I'll try and put a link below. Um, so the guy made a game and, um, you know, people were looking for kind of hidden Easter eggs in the game and they're posting in the forums and finding all these like really, really interesting clues. And the developer of the game is looking at the forum after the fact and like, oh, wow, yeah, that was some really thought out, um, you know, sleuthing. Maybe there should be something there. Yeah. And then kind of retroactively updates the game with like, yeah, you know, just some minor bug fixes, this, that, and sneaks in some other stuff. Oh, nice. And, That's cool. Yeah, so it ends up being <laughs> like, you know, people come up with these really weird and crazy yeah. theories for how to find something and then they're yeah. able to find it because the theory was so that would drive some well, people nuts right because they go there and it's like that wasn't where there before it wasn't yeah. there before i swear that's what like, they were saying like, i don't know how there. i missed it before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just make them think they're crazy yeah and another one of the presentations it was from uh the national film board of canada uh, sure some work in there and he was doing um it was really interesting he did this uh uh autonomous automobiles i think was the name of the company mm. he uh it was like an animation with cardboard uh sure. self-driving vehicles and um it was kind of it was actually really cool and uh the idea was you know the self-driving cars driving down the road and then uh an oil rig comes mm. sliding sideways oh yeah there's a 
a, an impending accident. And so it kind of stops for a moment and says, all right, we need to analyze the data. This mm. There's a family to the left. You can either go left and slam into them. They're worth mm. about, you know, $650,000. There's Yikes. a uh, <laughs> an oil yeah. tanker right there. You're going to hit that. You're all going to die. Or you can yeah. make a right and fly off this cliff. You die with the car. And, uh, wow. and then it kind of like goes out a little bit and analyzes the data a little bit more to see what the effects are and what mm. the costs maybe would be, you know, cost to insurance, cost sure. to other people. And, um, it's kind of interesting. It just, it makes you think a little bit more about the decisions that go into automating things and even not automating them, you know, uh, just the decisions behind yeah. what there is. Now that we have more data mm. and the ability to analyze it, um, it, is it more ethical to not analyze that and take that into consideration or mm. two? Yeah, I don't know. I've heard the problem of who uh, an art with an artificial AI or an artificial or an automated system. Would an artificial AI be a real intelligence? I don't know. I've, <laughs> I have mixed feelings about that. But even with the car automation, um, you're actually you're buying. Let's say you buy a Toyota. You're buying Toyota's morals too. Mm-hmm. Someone had to develop the moral outcome of these things and put the values in and figure and out. And that's why I reserved Model Three. Oh yeah, so drive it yourself. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, cost well, you $1, because, $1, but exactly that, down, because right? when you buy into a company uh, or when you buy something from a company, mm-hmm. you you are supporting that company and, mm-hmm. and supporting potentially that, those morals and things yeah. like that. So if you if you have two different cars, one is the model that chooses your own life versus a, a family life or mm-hmm. chooses the family life versus your own life. People would buy differently based on that. But um, yeah, it's a weird conundrum that should, you know, we should see in the next 10 years or so. Scary, scary and awesome. Cool. All right. Let's jump to the first meetup. All right. So uh, the upcoming week, again, we have uh, a pretty packed week, but uh, let's see. So there's actually this Canadian club, Vancouver. I put this on here. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, There's a lunch and it's uh, a lunch with Bernard Lord, who's the QC CEO of the Canadian Wireless Telecommunications Association. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say this is, uh, remember last week we said, let's put one out there that's maybe not exactly in line with what we're doing. This is mine for that. It kind of is because it's telecommunications. um, And it's kind of not because it's a lunch with the CEO at uh, the uh, Canadian Club Vancouver. It's also a rare Drew recommendation for a paid event. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Um, Absolutely. And so it's it's not necessarily a recommendation. It's more a, hey, check it out. This is something that's I going see. on. I see. Um, and it might be kind of interesting to go into uh, the Canadian Club of Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, it's uh, $95 for non-members. If you happen to be a member, it's only $75. Yeah. Uh, but it might be kind of interesting. I think it's cool that you can chat with, like, government people all the time. And I think everyone should just do it at least once just to chat with these people and see that they're they're real people and they care about what you think. And if you have a really strong opinion, just let them know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we saw that at the BC Dev Exchange. There's people, they're definitely listening to what you say. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the evening, we've got the Get Help coming up again. Mm-hmm. So that's it. it. It's scheduled for Mooses Down Under. I'm going to chat with Adam and see uh, if we can have it at the, the Butcher and Bullock all the time because that place was awesome. In yeah, my opinion. cool. And the next one is the public crowd user group when disaster strikes. Yeah, that should yeah. be pretty interesting. Uh, that's one of my favorite meetups, so it should be a lot of fun. That's over at CodeCore 142 West Hastings. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the theme for the event is basically using the cloud to avoid disasters. And actually, uh, with this, we're calling it the public cloud users group or PUG. This yeah. was what it first started out as, but you might notice there's two or three or four different meetups. There's the, uh, I think there's the Google user group. There's mm-hmm. the AWS Azure. users. Uh, no, I don't think there's the Azure, there's Azure one. one. But I, well, well, maybe they're part we, of. Let yeah. me finish my sentence before you jump in with that, which is that are all posting the same info. Sure. That are all run by the same person that are all the same group, actually. Oh. So that's why the Azure one didn't fit into that. There I is see. an Azure group for sure, and it is in the cloud. I see. But it's actually sep- a separate meetup. Sure. But uh, like if you're a member of the AWS or of the uh, Google's user group or of the public cloud user group or maybe one other, you might be seeing like, wow, there's all these duplicate meetups. Or mm-hmm. why are they calling it the public cloud user group when really that's an AWS meetup? Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I actually chatted with Matt at HackerNest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that was fun. Nice. Cool. And then let's jump to Tuesday. Tuesday, we've got a pretty interesting lineup. A lot of stuff happening around 6 o'clock. Well, not a lot per se, but kind of a lot. It's a big deal. It's the Polyglot Vancouver Social. Yeah, so this is not the hack night. This is the social. So would you bring your computer? 
Um, I would. I always bring my computer everywhere, but you don't need to. Yeah, cool. All right, yeah, if you're uh, uh, if that, you don't know what a polyglot is, it's someone who is proficient in many languages, many programming languages. And where is that? That's at the St. Regis, 608 Dunsmere Street at 6 p.m. Nice. Okay, and then um, we've got the Vancouver Closure Meetup also at 6 p.m. That's over at CodeCore, 142 West Hastings. Would you bring your laptop to that, James? Hell yeah, because it's a hack night. Absolutely, yeah. and it should be pretty fun. There's also another one uh, over at CodeCore, starting from 6.30. Uh, it's the Style in Class meetup, and I thought this looked pretty interesting. I hadn't seen Style in Class before come up for us. Uh, I don't think we've brought it up before because a lot of it was more uh, front-end stuff. I see. Um, and it, it kind of is. This one is uh, coding, mentorship, and data. Mm. Um, I think they, they might have taken a hiatus, actually, for a while. Uh, Steve, Steve Fisher, the organizer... Uh, he has a really awesome company and really just a all around great sense of he style. Has an awesome picture too. For I his know. Meetup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little Easter egg for people that want to check that out. Yeah, so that should be really fun. Um, it is a uh, there's a wait list, so get on that pretty quick if you want to get in there. Um, like I said before, there's uh, so here's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. There's oftentimes uh, where people join a wait or sign up and then end up not going. I would just go. Uh, and hey, if it gets too, pa too packed, then it gets too packed. On the other hand, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just go to the Closure Hack Night. Yeah, absolutely. It also says here, just to, as an important note, doors open at 6.30, talks start at 7, no admittance after 7.10. Yeah. So just be wary of that. I like that. That's a really good idea because it saves having to have a, uh, a volunteer or someone at a door. You know, that, yeah. that can be a pretty lonely post. Sure. Cool. So that is our Tuesday. And then we've got Wednesday, huge lineup on Wednesday. So our Wednesday, we have the Vancouver Linux desktop. Have you noticed? Um, so this is Adam runs mm -hmm. this as well. Have you noticed that he starts his meetups really early? <laughs> starts he wants to get his day done. He wants to get his day done. Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool. So 4.30 to 6.30. Uh, the Vancouver Linux desktop meetup. This is over at Decentral. Have mm -hmm. you ever been there? No, I haven't. Decentral is really cool. Um, do you know where uh, Bangtown Hair Salon is? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, so this is over on Pender. This is 436 West Pender Street. If you, have, if you walk by, you might notice there's uh, some kind of glass bricks on the floor, on the ground, the sidewalk. Mm. Uh, at night, they're lit up. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I know where that is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So you go downstairs yeah. and you're inside Decentral. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool space. If you haven't been, make sure to go check this one out. Um, I'm hoping that I get my uh, new work laptop by then. Yeah. And uh, I'll bring it by so who to would install go to this? Some, uh, some Linux stuff on it. Who would go to this? Yeah. Like what kind of uh, newbies, experts? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix. Um, you'll see some some people that will be there will be kind of, uh, you know, sysadmin or network programmers. I've seen people there who are, uh, there was a, a, a person who owned a yoga studio that came oh, in wow. and was like, you mm -hmm. know, I do all my stuff on Linux. Cool. And that was pretty cool. There was a Linux first time user that was just trying to get, uh, get it installed on her Chromebook. Um, and then, you know, there was me who I was running Linux on my, my MacBook. Uh, Adam's pretty, pretty handy with the Linux stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, he's, I think it'll be pretty fun. Cool. And the next one, another Adam meetup coming up. YVR testing meetup. So this kind of doesn't make sense to be honest, like the, the overlap here. Um, are you going to be able to make it to the Linux desktop meeting from 4.30 to 6.30 and be at the YVR testing from 5.30? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm going so, to the implementing BDD. I already RSVP'd. Right. But I mean, I meant Adam, the host oh, yeah. of both of these <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's getting you to cover for him on he, the... He probably yeah. is. Yeah. So uh, that should be pretty fun. But uh, anyway, so that they're actually really close. Sofa's head office is on Granville and um, what is it, Dunsmere? So that's 580 Granville. And this YVR testing is going to be awesome. So this, if you haven't heard of BDD or if you have heard of BDD uh, and you just want to see implementing it from the ground up, mm -hmm. this would be a great time uh, to come in and look at it. This yeah. is something, it, it actually coincides really well with uh, with the timeline. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Let's do the, uh, oh, our next meetup is the Vancouver Pluralsight Study Group. Another one, the Building Applications of the React and Flux. This is an ongoing meetup which I think is the third iteration of this meetup, the third iteration of the series of meetups. Are, yeah, so I don't know which if you're going to make it out this time to that. I missed the first one, <laughs> and then I missed the second one, and then, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. yeah, and then over at Hootsuite, there's the uh, the Vancouver Scala uh, meetup, so that's the, the reading group. 
Yeah, they're um, reading this book called The Red Book. Yeah, and I think basically it's you read it, you go through some of the uh, the exercises, and then you go in and talk about what you've read and the exercises. And if you're stuck on stuff or, or if you're not, you can maybe help other people out. Sure. Um, it actually uh, says what chapter they're on this time. It says chapter 14, local effects and mutable state. Yeah. So I would uh, just to, to iterate over that um, for the Linux desktop, I would definitely bring my laptop for YVR testing the BDD presentation. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I would because I'd like to take notes. I'd be a little bit surprised if it is a uh, workshop. It's rather it's probably just going to be a presentation, mm. um, but it might be really awesome. Plural site definitely. It looks very workshoppy. Bring yeah. a laptop. Yeah. Um, the, the Vancouver Scala, I would bring my laptop as well and go over some of those problems. Um but it is a reading group, so you'd have to go to find out. Guess you read on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's a, th- there's this other meetup. So what is up with Wednesdays? The Vancouver Android Developers. And that's over at Movify on the third floor from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, so you know what? If we hit up the Vancouver Linux desktop and then go to one of the other meetups that finishes at 6.30, we could be at the Android Developers meetup by 7. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's okay to show up late, but it might be. Uh, and... We could maybe hit up all of them. They do actually say um, Moify ha- has limited space, only RSVP if you're sure that you are coming. Mm. So, yeah, don't be rude. And Well, uh, maybe send send the organizer a, a message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It says 6 to 9, so, yeah. I mean, that is pretty late. Um, mm-hmm. As far as these, the rest of these meetups go, they don't really say what time they end, but this one says, you know, we're wrapping up around 9. So yeah. uh, you might be able to show up a little bit later. Just if you do RSVP, make sure you do show up. All right, sweet. And then Thursday, we've got the uh, Learn Data Science Meetup. Have you been to any of those yet, James? No, actually. This one's uh, oh, this one's close. The other one's the one that's the hike. So this is the Charles one. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Learn Data Science by doing Kegel competitions. And I did talk to another guy at the Hackernest um, who also organizes the other data science meetup that's at uh, the um, Great Northern Way. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we were chatting about data science, and he said, thanks for, for giving the thing a plug. And I said, we'll keep doing it because it seems cool. Awesome. And uh, the same night at the same time, 6 p.m., uh, there is the Code Core. They have their demo day mm-hmm. uh, for the January 2016 cohort. That should be pretty interesting. Um, this one is a special demo day. Yep. Do you know why? This is the one with React, the React graduates. Well, they probably will have done some React, but that's not the only thing. So this is... For the first time, uh, Code Core has become a 12-week, oh, not an 8-week right. boot camp. So that's four additional weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also accredited. And it'll be really interesting to see uh, how these grads fare, either compared to other grads or, or just in general. It should be pretty fun. Uh, I know they've been working really hard. I'd really like to make it out to that. So this is a hiring event or an event to check out Code Core and see what they kind of learn in the course. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking to hire people or you're you're wondering, you know, what what sort of skills would these types of people have, um, that would be good to go and check out. Or if you're considering, you know, should I go to yeah. a boot camp? Well, go check that out and cool. see see what you could actually come up with at the end of it. Sure. And then uh, Friday, what's going yeah. on on Friday? The Wish Pond Open House, April 2016 edition. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. We were there on Monday for the for Hackernest. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And Friday. They've got their uh, their open house. Would you bring a laptop to that, James? I would definitely not bring a laptop. You but that doesn't mean you're going to get that doesn't mean you're going to get hurt if you do bring one. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, I got my hands full with gesticulation and uh, having a drink in my hand and some food. Okay. <laughs> well, that that's pretty interesting. I would bring mine just because I bring mine to everything. Sure. It's, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you'd need to at all. You wouldn't get hurt if you did bring it. Uh, and that's pretty much it for the week of meetups. Hope to see you at some of them. And if you do have a meetup that you'd like us to come out to, let us know. You can also comment on the show. So if you leave a comment, we can see that as well. All right. And we're here with Ilya Brodsky. What's going on? <laughs> hey, guys. Good to be here. <laughs> Never had such a great introduction with my name like that before. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's uh, good to have you. Have you uh, listened to the show at all? Yeah, yeah, listened to a couple episodes, and uh, pretty cool to see you guys evolve and, and kind of grow through the, the Vancouver startup scene. Tech scene's not so big yet, but having guys like you pr- promote it. Gotta get in there early, man. Disruption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed uh, a lot of things are really starting to come together, I think, in the uh, in the Vancouver community. And it's really nice to see it grow as much as it is. So we have the, um, like Slack actually has been a big thing uh, and a big community thing for us, I think, with YVRDev.slack.com. Yeah. 
Um, that's a great place to reach. Are you on there? I am not actually. I didn't know about Make it. Make sure oh. to get on there. There's about, uh, I guess, a little over 600 developers on there now. Nice. Um, and uh, fun times, fun chats. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. also the Startup 604 group. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to plug that one as well. It's good. It's more for non-devs, but yep. I think like the more the better different people can find the right place but cool. i'll yeah. definitely get on that one and tell everybody i know <laughs> awesome well what's the uh what's startup 604 uh just i i guess it's a slack group for entrepreneurs uh, people who are looking to start up something in vancouver Okay, that's yeah, pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the YVR dev is uh, specifically for devs, actually. <laughs> sure. um, and there are a couple of uh, dev slash recruiters on there, but... Uh, yeah, there's a channel specifically yeah. for contracts and jobs. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put my hand it. up there yeah. for, that, for that. That's kind of <laughs> sure. me. Sounds pretty cool. But you've actually got your hand in quite a few really interesting things, I think. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about... Um, I thought maybe we could start with some of your background and you spent some time in Brazil. Yeah. Maybe tell us about how that came about. Sure, sure. So I, I grew up here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, moved to the U.S. for school, and then my first job at university was was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I was working for a big mining company, uh, which I ended up really not liking and, and left about a year and a half after and mm-hmm. moved back to, to Rio to live uh, to live there and uh, work, volunteer for a startup that worked um by but doing data collection in the slums and mm-hmm. selling that data to government and consumer goods companies, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I got involved in education startups and just mm-hmm. generally in the tech space there, right as it was starting to take off. That sounds really interesting. What what's um, so data collection in the slums? Yeah, and then selling that to government. What sort yeah. of data would you collect in the slums? Demographics. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, how many people live in the slum? No, no one knew exactly oh. how many people were there. Mm-hmm. Age range, education levels, health levels. What kind of what were the problems? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of money is being spent on kind of helping people, but they don't really know what the core data is around the issue. So right. what is the biggest issue in particular slum? The government didn't know that. So, mm-hmm. so I should refrain. Uh, they didn't sell the data to this government. They actually donated the data to the government and to the community, and they sold the data to the consumer goods companies that were looking to sell water filters or mosquito repellent mm-hmm. or soap. Um, and for them, it was a big market. That That's a pretty untapped. common business model for a lot of uh, companies that are funded by the government. They give the government the, the actual data, and then they actually just sell it to the people that aren't. I didn't fund them in the beginning. Yeah, um, I know yeah. there's a couple of companies in Ontario that do that for these different developing communities. So it's a pretty common thing to see. Yeah, um, yeah. But how did you how do you collect the data when you don't have things like well, not everyone there has a cell phone. You can't just ping a cell phone and see how many cell phones. Like yeah. how did you collect that? Yeah. There's been a lot of manual labor involved actually that was probably the coolest thing is that we employed local youth to do it uh, oh, so nice. they went door to door with like a mobile device was, the company was called Molemetrics uh, and they went uh, with an, actually an iPod mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like something very simple but it got the job done uh, yeah. and it was really cool because they got them to have some work experience some revenue or some income uh, which they otherwise maybe wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. so uh, that was from my favorite part of the whole business mm-hmm. yeah. that's pretty cool uh, so you did that for a while and then you moved on to yeah, so then I worked for, uh, I, well, I was working uh, in a startup accelerator there called 21212. Uh, mm-hmm. 21 is the Rio area code, 212 New York. So they're connecting Brazilian uh, startups with American investors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like the, the first startup accelerator in Brazil, really. So it was really cool to be part of. Yeah. Um, doing biz dev and sales for education tech uh, companies. So two companies, one called Zona Universitaria, another called Easy Aula. Basically, uh, one was career services for students. The other one was online classes. Yeah, um, I actually noticed that you wrote an article on BetaKit as well. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, about the, my most recent trip to Brazil, which was this November. Um, I went down for a big conference, a kind of mm-hmm. annual tech conference in Brazil, and I was promoting my current company, uh, Van Hacken, and just showing people about how they could come and bring their businesses or their, their lives to, to Canada. Nice. So uh, so what's Van Hack all about? Uh, it's about connecting international tech talent to the Canadian startup scene. Um, we help people with soft skills, resumes, that kind of stuff. We have an online course. We actually have a Slack group as well. Uh-huh. Um, and then we also do placements. So we help people find jobs and help, sorry, I should say, help companies find talent. So mm-hmm. something I didn't understand when I first heard of Van Hack was that Van Hack is it has a meetup, the Van Hack Thons Hackathons, yeah, yeah. but it's a company too, right? Van Hack is a company, not necessarily a meetup itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the Van Hackathon is actually a virtual hackathon that we'll be hosting in May, um, and uh, we have a Van Hack uh, International Tech Talent in Vancouver meetup. So you got that right for sure. Um, but yes, we those are kind of things that we do just to get the community together. But the idea. 
which is for-profit business. We, we, want, we want to sell our education packages and also make placements to our partner companies. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this uh, education package. Yeah, for sure. So it's most it's it's aimed at people who aren't in Canada yet. It's mm-hmm. people who are immigrants that are looking and interested in moving here. Um, primarily, it's been Brazil, but the idea mm-hmm. is to be global. Um, and we help them with, I guess, the main thing is the kind of Canadian profile. A lot of there's a lot of amazing developers out there, designers out there who don't really know how to show themselves to the Canadian mm-hmm. market, mm-hmm. Uh, whether like just resume editing or LinkedIn profile or making a personal website. We have two hours of interview practice a week, so we speak English and help them with a different interview practice question that they don't really know how to answer or aren't really sure of. Um, and then we just have a, a video course that shows them like how to go to meetups and meet mm-hmm. people, what kind of things to say, like what are the best meetups we talk about you guys how can, how can I actually <laughs> I know uh, some people that yeah. <laughs> right now need that that aren't you know <laughs> sure <laughs> I mean and, environment. if they want to join we'll definitely happy to have them as customers but uh, the, I guess the the main idea is to help that person who has like no idea what it's like here to have uh, like a, a bridge to move here that's part of why this show sort of existed or me mm-hmm. and Drew talked about why it should exist was that if you're new here it's really hard to find out what you what what's there I mean I was new mm-hmm. here at one point and I had no idea what was going on and uh, Drew's super well connected to the community, but there's not necess- there wasn't necessarily a particular point where you could go every week and just figure out what the heck is going on, whether yeah. you're new here or whether you've been mm-hmm. here a long time or what's new. Yeah, I think even if you uh, even if you have been here uh, a long time, I enjoy for me, I enjoy the show notes where I can see what's actually going on this week. What am I going to go to? Or sometimes uh, I'll usually listen to it on the on my walk to work on Mondays, and then I kind of plan yeah. my week out from there. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to this meetup tonight or. Um, and I, th- I think that's kind of interesting. I wanted to hop back to uh, something you said, though, Ilya, about, uh, you know, going international. So connecting, um, I guess, connecting tech professionals uh, in Brazil is how you started. Connecting them to local companies in, in Vancouver, yeah. maybe in uh, other parts of Canada. Definitely. So is there so much happening in tech in Vancouver and in Canada that uh, we just were not able to... Um, grow enough talent locally. We have to be bringing people, mm-hmm. and and not just Brazil. Maybe looking at expanding globally. Is this? Uh, yeah, for sure. Is, yeah, um, the stat that the ICTC uh, reports is 128,000 uh, lack of 128,000 people in Canada in general by mm-hmm. 2019 in the tech sector. Mm-hmm. Um, BC, the number is something like 15,500, which I saw from the Vancouver Economic Commission last year. So there definitely is uh, a reported so f- lack of talent. 15,000 uh, over the next. Three years? Yeah, yeah. That's, That's pretty interesting. Yeah. You'd think we could maybe train 15,000 people to become software developers in three years? Yeah. There's, I mean, there should be more people going to tech for sure. Um, guys like Lighthouse and CodeCore doing uh-huh. a great job at, at that. But And BrainStation yeah. and Red Academy oh, right. as well. Yeah, we yeah. four boot camps yeah. right now and That's maybe true, more yeah. on the way. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Red and, and BrainStation, yeah. But you know what yeah, else is going to happen? Yeah more companies and it seems like you know it's kind of neat we have a strong u.s dollar right now or we have a really weak canadian (laughs) dollar Uh, but either way a lot of companies especially tech companies that have international markets are really making some money out there in the states and and growing and growing and i know that uh for the company that i work at it at least um i mean there's a few of us we have to balance things like do we have time to interview people versus we need more people you wow. know wow. Um, yeah. to actually do work and stuff and this is uh, this is pretty interesting and i don't see it slowing down no yeah not. yeah uh just to point like uh, amazon microsoft uh, slack here mm-hmm. tableau i mean those are pretty huge american i guess slack's not really american mm-hmm. they found it here but I mean, but they moved, yeah. yeah they they moved I think down. they moved their headquarters uh, down yeah, stateside. Yeah, so those mm-hmm. are all big American tech companies that are hiring like crazy here. Yeah, they definitely and are. Local players too. And, and Boeing, I think as yeah, well. Yeah, Info. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I don't know Hootsuite. I think they're always hiring. Yeah. And they're pretty big. And they're homegrown, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, even even companies like Telus opening mm-hmm. up new sections of their of their. Um, of their business or new areas, launching new products. They're yep. revamping their whole website. They have a whole team dedicated just to that. Hmm. So even local companies that are not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, hot, new and sexy, yeah. they're just, they're still gigantic companies that service all of Canada yeah. that are still growing as well. And also local companies that are hot, new and sexy, like uh, Wishbond's hiring, <laughs> sure. Hootsuite's hiring. Yeah. We've got fintech Undance. companies yeah. like Mogo. We've got, all oh, right, Undance. But the, uh, Mogo, what we have, uh, Grow, yeah. Grow Howard, uh, yeah. and Coho. 
So I think we have a lot of really interesting things happening there. Um, even companies like Seven Geese, I don't know if you heard of them, yeah, they're doing some yeah. really cool stuff. And yeah. It seems like things are really cool. Rise. So I don't know, it doesn't doesn't seem to be a lack of cool companies or places to work. Yeah. But what's up with this talent? How many are you bringing in a month? Uh, Can you bring more? <laughs> yeah, I would love to. The government <laughs> just needs to improve immigration laws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Just to, to uh, how many are bringing in a month? I would say like two or three are mm -hmm. arriving every month. Um, yeah, some are coming in for like a short term, one month of learning English, first time ever outside of the country, trying to kind of understand if this is the right place for them. And some are coming to move. Yeah. But the big, the big problem, and, and if anyone from government or anyone has any influence in government is listening to this, we need to change the labor market impact assessment model, which is making it really hard for international, uh, for local employers to hire international talent because mm -hmm. it takes way too long. And just if you make one little mistake on the forum, there's just a lot of things that need to improve. So, so why don't you give us yeah. your opinion on what needs to change exactly? Yeah. So like my dream, and this is kind of crazy, would be if we can do like a coding test to get into the country. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be really cool if like someone could just like do a tech test and, and prove that they can, you know, they can do contribute. this, yeah, contribute, yeah. And, and then they would very likely be hired by a tech company. Um, that would be awesome. But I don't think the government is in a place to do that, but yeah. people can dream. Um, what, so what needs to change? So the problem right now is that a lot of people are coming into Canada um, and they're not able, to, they're not qualified for express entry because they're maybe over 30 or their English isn't perfect. Um, and then the companies are really reluctant to hire them from abroad because mm -hmm. they've never met the person in, in real life. Right. Um, and they just, they don't want to spend like the two or three months waiting for the person where they can find someone locally during that time. And it's just a pain in the butt with paperwork. And it's not too expensive. It's a thousand bucks. But still, it's it's something like for really high level uh, talent. So what I would like to see changed is the LMAA process to get simplified where mm -hmm. companies would become certified once and then they can make those hiring decisions mm -hmm. and only report those in a much faster way to, to government. That sounds pretty interesting, and there might be uh, might be something there. You know, maybe work with the BC Dev Exchange, get some company to fund it, uh, and get some app happening, or get something to actually just help that process. I know there's so much with Government Canada stuff that is just mm -hmm. a real pain. Yeah. Um, but we see, I think, for example, ICBC. Um, 10 years ago, people would always complain about, you know, go to try and get your driver's license. Mm. It's five hours in line. But they have a really nice streamlined process now. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but I'm sure something <laughs> did happen. Yeah. Um, and I think we can do it with other departments. I'm pretty hopeful, actually. Uh, McCallum, who's the, um, John McCallum's the immigration minister mm -hmm. uh, for the new government, is doing a really good job. He's been doing things in uh, different parts of uh, immigration policy, like for international students and for spouses, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and they had a lot of work to do with the, the refugees in the first couple of months. But mm -hmm. I think now um, something's going to happen. I have, I have a really good feeling. There's a lot, there was an article in the Global Mail where Shopify was complaining about this issue. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think if companies like that are, are making their voice heard and, and you know, they're mm -hmm. in Ottawa, mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. there'll definitely be some changes coming. Cool. So what do you think uh, as far as, you know, social impact, cultural impact for bringing, uh, bringing I guess, uh, technology immigrants to Canada? Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How will it affect communities? I mean, obviously, Canada is founded on immigration, yeah. um, which may not be a great thing for the native population. Well, I heard a stat the other day. Actually, I think it was Trudeau who quoted. He said like 20-something percent of Canadians or mm -hmm. Canadian citizens were not born here. Yeah, so that's a yeah. huge and that's currently yeah, 20 like, yeah. we're not born here yeah and i don't know about you guys but i don't have to go back too far to find people um i think actually pretty far in my case you yeah. know uh but on my father's side exception my grandparents yeah. you know yeah <laughs> on my mother's side uh her grandparents oh wow so yeah, yeah I, I moved here when i was five from russia there so, you go yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely immigrated. yeah my parents are my dad's from ireland my mom's from australia yep. yeah you're in the 80s <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah yeah and we're all like contributing, building businesses, yeah. like working on awesome projects. Um, so, yeah, the, there was a stat that I don't remember now, but it came out in the CBC last week saying how mm -hmm. immigrants are job creators. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know exactly what it was, but we can put it in the show notes. I'll send it to you guys. Yep. Um, but the point is that, yes, I mean, this country was founded by immigrants. Um, we need the talent here. As much as I would love for us to be able to, like, home grow it, it just that takes a long time. There's mm -hmm. senior developers with like 15, 20, 10 years of experience mm -hmm. in countries like like all over the world, really, mm -hmm. um, that are that just like their life dream is to move to Canada. So mm -hmm. giving them that opportunity not only brings in awesome talent that can kind of start 
working on projects today, it mm-hmm. also in- impacts their life uh, and their children's life like forever. So right. I think there's definitely a benefit. You don't want to, you know, get, just say, hey, everybody come to the country like we're like that. <laughs> of course, you need to have restraints. I don't know. But I mean, if they why brought, <laughs> they brought in 25,000 refugees, why can't they bring in 25,000 senior developers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say that. I don't want to talk about the political side of the refugee yeah, thing that, no, that Ken is contributing that. to, just, but I want to talk about like, mm-hmm. well, there's probably tech people in there. Yeah. There definitely is. It's yeah. not like these, mm-hmm. these countries have universities. They have education programs. They yeah. all have computers and internet. They know yeah. how to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that going to affect the uh, the tech sector a little bit with these... Uh, People from Syria coming and with their with their their good skills or their strong skills technically as well as um, the skills across the board. I hope so. There's a group called Startland uh, that uh, a couple of local entrepreneurs are are uh, bringing up, and uh, it seems like they're they're doing some stuff to connect them those those people to the startup space here. Um, I don't have too many details as to like how many of them are actually developers and all that. We're trying to get involved and, and see if we can help, uh, but if there are, then then great, yeah. But there's still definitely a huge lack. Yeah. Would you call would you call the lack of talent like maybe this is alarmist or Mm -hmm. um, incendiary? But do you Mm -hmm. think there might be a crisis in the next four or five years if we need 20,000 people to fill these positions that no one locally is qualified for? I don't think it'd be a crisis. I think we'll figure out a way. Um, But there definitely could be like right now, if you look at Canada as a whole, the like the the loonies down, oil's down. Like what what is what is our economy based on, and what mm-hmm. Trudeau's talking about? We're not a resource economy; we're a resourceful economy. So it's tech, right? That's kind of where Canada wants to go, and it makes sense. That's where the future is. Um, so if they don't do something, then there might be I don't know if a crisis is the right word, but probably um, it wouldn't be as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put it that way. Well, I wonder a couple of things. So you see companies like Slack, yeah, um, yeah. this huge success. You know, evaluated at what thirty eight billion dollars yeah. or something. Um, three, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> three point eight. They've, they've, three and a half, yeah. they've grown. They've grown three and a half times in in the last like year and a half or something. Yeah. They have insane Crazy. growth, yeah. multiple yeah. millions of users. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. so this is a, a pretty huge success story. Yeah. Started in Vancouver, but now they they've moved down to San Francisco. Um, is this a win or a loss for for Canada for Vancouver? Uh, why would they move down there? Is it easier to find? Um, is it easier to find tech talent in San Francisco? Yeah, actually, uh, t- like quickly, uh, there's a company in town um, who's a pretty local, uh, strong named, uh, sorry, popular gaming company who I won't mention. They said that they are outsourcing to San Francisco for mm-hmm. Unity developers. Mm-hmm. So I guess in some cases, yes. I think what Slack's uh, kind of idea was was they just wanted to be closer to, to customers because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of businesses mm-hmm. that would use Slack in San Francisco more mm-hmm. than in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm sure it's, it had to do with investment. Like, That's got to yeah. be brutal outsourcing to the U.S. right now. Yeah. It's got to be brutal yeah. on, your, on the pay. Yeah. Well, well that well, investment, yeah. right? I think yeah. that's that's a, yeah. bi- a big part there. Um, yeah. Rather than it being brutal on the pay, yeah. um, it's got to be good for investment. For Oh, yeah, for moving. For moving, yeah. I bet that's probably the main reason. He that was talking moved. about the gaming company, I think. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, I'm saying. talking about outsourcing to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Must be really brutal. I know. I know. I've I've hired people in the U.S. or paid them in U.S. dollars, and it mm-hmm. sucks when you see, <laughs> yeah. hey, my hourly is this, and it's like, oh, cool, cool, and then you look at it again, you're like, oh, wait, I have to add like thirty percent on top yeah, of that. Yeah, it's been pretty tough. I yeah. suppose, yeah. but I mean, if your if your main market is in the states or international, then mm-hmm. why not be thinking in American dollars? I'm actually surprised. Yeah. And here's something I wonder: maybe you have better insight on. Um, what's the percentage of developers in Vancouver who are being paid in U.S. funds. No idea. No idea. I know yeah. uh, uh, David from Batovi who was on the show. Batovi mm-hmm. is a U.S. company and he works remotely. So he's U.S. or uh, he's getting paid in U.S. And uh, I have friends in Ontario that uh, work just in New- for New York, same time zone, you yeah. know, easy, easy telecommute or whatever. Yeah. And they get paid in U.S. dollars and they're like, yeah, it's great. But I mean, they... I don't think they feel necessarily bad because they're getting paid really, really well or market rate for the for the place that they're working remotely for, which is yeah, really nice. That's great. I mean, I'm sure there's people that are getting paid for San Francisco companies in U.S. dollars that are that's maybe close to market rate. I think we've talked before about people working remotely and getting paid where they live, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange. Mm-hmm. But that's a different story. I think that people love it. And then when it evens out, it's just OK versus right now. It's amazing to get paid in U.S. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's something that like. I don't think people are going out there looking for U.S. jobs, but still want to stay in Canada. 
maybe there is. I don't really know of anyone that's that has that mindset, yeah. but maybe you can talk differently to that. I, I know that there's a lot of people in in our community that would love to be paid in Canadian dollars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the Brazilian real is three times less the Canadian dollar, mm-hmm. and the economy there is pretty tough, so it's really hard to get jobs for them. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah they're excited to get jobs here for virtually for a Canadian company. So what does that look like? Uh, maybe walk me through the process a bit. Let's say uh, I'm in Brazil yeah. and I'm Brazilian and I really, you know, I've got maybe 15 years experience. You know, I've yeah. been developing since I was, uh, you know, 14, 14. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, um, and I've always wanted to come to Canada like that Niagara Falls. Man, I got to see that. Yeah. Um, maple syrup. That's yeah. my favorite. That's I have it on like pancakes yeah. every day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I, so I decided to reach out. Yeah. Walk me through the process. For sure. Um, I, just to kind of put a little bit of a, I, I, I think it's more like what's it like walking outside and like not being worried about getting robbed and like not having like to worry about my kid like getting kidnapped. Those mm-hmm. are things that they're kind of more excited about. Of sure. course, I know yeah. you guys were just joking there and I just wanted to kind of like uh-huh. bring that in there because it's, some real it's like threats. some real shit. Yeah, yeah, some real like stuff. So, I mean, of course, it's not like that for everybody, but a lot of the developing countries is like that. Um, the point is, so how how does it work? So I guess the first thing that we kind of tell them is um, you have to you know virtually be in Canada before you're physically here. So we help them a lot by understanding like Betakit, you mentioned Betakit, like mm. Betakit, Tech Vibes, like what are the different blogs, websites, um, places that they can research and understand. A uh, big thing we also talk about is like meetup groups. Like I said, mm-hmm. you had the Van Ruby on your sticker, a sticker on your computer, like join that meetup group and maybe join the, the Van Dev uh is that the right? Mm-hmm. YVR Dev Slack? YVR, thank yeah. you. Uh, Dev Slack. Um, like, be here physically, mentally, and then, like, make those connections. Um, a big thing as well is improving your English. So a lot of them mm-hmm. have to do that, and we help them with, with that. It's a big That's a big part of it. That was actually interesting. I mean, you mentioned maybe there should be a coding challenge or something. Um, and I was thinking maybe there should be a documentation writing challenge. Mm. One of the one of the things uh, that I find is, uh, and I mean, I, I think most devs would fail that, to be <laughs> honest. So it might be a little bit hard. <laughs> Their grammar's probably the atrocious as well. So, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, sorry. No, that's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe a combo. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I think the, the, then the first kind of step, or like that's not the first step, but like the, the next step would be for them to get a job virtually. So actually, mm-hmm. um, we have we just um, yesterday I found out one of our uh, guys got hired at a, a local company called Advisor, who's mm-hmm. uh, like a, a tech startup. They, Advisor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing some pretty cool stuff. They were in the tech stars in New York, and they mm-hmm. won the BC New Ventures competition. Really great, Nick and John. You guys are awesome. Um, so they hired this guy Sam, and he started work, working for them virtually about mm-hmm. three months before they actually decided, okay, we're going to bring him into the country with this LMA process. Right. Um, so that's the first step. Usually, is like try and find a job remotely at a Canadian company because mm-hmm. then you can really show your skills, you can prove what you can do, uh, and and learn how to do that. We you know, build a portfolio in English. A lot of them don't don't have that. Uh, GitHub, of course, those kind of things. So that's another interesting thing. Are uh, are a lot of the local companies opposed to having uh, somebody work remotely, or maybe work remotely for the first couple of months? No, no, that's something that they're they prefer because it's not a big investment for them. It's like a try before you buy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say like, well, you know, work for us for a couple of months on a contract, see how it goes. If you you know fit in, then then we'll do the visa sponsorship for you. So what's the cost for a company? So there has there's a benefit obviously in getting con- uh, talent that isn't here in the home base, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So what's the cost for a company to do something like this? A thousand dollars, and the biggest cost is time. They just have to wait about three to five months, which is way too long. Uh, for a lot of companies, but the beauty of tech is that you can do it. You can still keep working remotely for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard, like if you don't know the person, you know. So once they come into the country, is there a transition to a salaried employee? Yeah, they just How become does a regular work? employee, like everyone else who's local. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could jump to Spring Activator. Yeah. So it's come up in some of our meeting, our meetups. As Spring Activator, the location. Um, mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about what Spring Activator does, but as a an advisor at Spring Activator, mm-hmm. maybe you could tell us a lot more about Spring Activator and why it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So Spring is. Um, impact-driven activator accelerator uh, program. Uh, it's founded by Keith Ippel, who used to be the CEO of Invoke Labs, uh, one of the first advisors at Hootsuite, and just a general awesome guy with a lot of experience and one of the nicest, most, uh, I guess, connected people in the city. Um, so they've been around for about two years now, uh, and uh, they're just merged with with Red. So they're going to be moving from the space there in Chinatown to, to the Red Academy space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess the, the kind of goal or the mission of, of Spring is to tool up impact entrepreneurs. So give people the skills, talent, training, uh, 
connections, capital that they need to, in order to go out and build the next Whole Foods or uh, Tom Shoes, these kind of companies that are you know, for profit and you know, make money, but also do some good in the world. Okay, so that's the they call them uh, social, yeah, enterprises. Social, social enterprises. Yeah, social enterprises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's different about Spring versus other incubators? Is it the social enterprise side? Is there maybe some uh, format or formula you have that's different than something like uh, yeah. some of the other incubators that are around town or even in different provinces across the country? For sure. Um, I would say the impact thing is the first and foremost the biggest difference. Um, the second one is our very, very, very um, honed in focus on customer discovery. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people kind of skip over and, and glaze over and say, okay, you're going to launch a startup. Well, go build a business model canvas and, you know, talk to 10 people. And if they like it, then go build a product. Um, yeah. That's something that, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't talk about, uh, we don't, we don't preach. We say, okay, at least like 50 to hundred people, very method, methodological, uh, methodological, <laughs> I can't speak, um, methodical um, <laughs> way of doing it. And, um, yeah, it's it's something that a lot of people kind of get intimidated by, and, and uh, the real like the really good entrepreneurs that we've seen come out of the, the incubator, they're the ones who actually go and, go out and do that. Companies like MuseFind, My Green Space, Zero Waste Market, um, who's popping, uh, who's doing a there's going to be a zero waste grocery store in Vancouver, and they're they're an alumni. Anyway, uh, those kind of people that that aren't will that aren't afraid to go out there and, and have conversations like real life conversations with potential customers, they're the ones who have success. And so that's kind of what we we focus on the most. So what's the criteria for getting into spring? Do you have to be post revenue? Is there a team size? Maybe if I'm if I'm a lone developer by myself, and I have this little idea that I maybe hacking on, how do I, uh, uh, is how there do I get a cost associated? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I think it's 1300 bucks for the, the kick program, which is uh, the four week startup program plus then the continual mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also do a capital raising boot camp where they charge I think $500 and then 1% over four years. Um, that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, yeah. And if I think that that's kind of the key specialty and, and like what Spring is really good at is helping people raise money. So if there's mm-hmm. any entrepreneurs out there looking to raise money, I completely, 100% um, recommend that. I think in 2015, it was nine companies raised $4 million and they all had oversubscribed rounds or most of them had oversubscribed rounds, like pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, she's doing a lot to help um, early stage entrepreneurs who just kind of maybe have a little bit of revenue and don't know how to take the next step um, grow. So, I'd, yeah, I recommend it. Check spring.is. <laughs> sure. Cool. Uh, I know they have a lot of meetups, too. Is there anything you can talk about as far as meetups? I know that there's a lot of kick like uh, demo or demo days, right? Kick yeah. Demo days? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's the, the kick demo day recently. Um, I, I, I don't know when the next one is. I think it's actually sold out the F- Startup Canada financial um, finance meetup that they're hosting. But uh, yeah, you can just check out the website or the, the spring meetup group. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, there's a lot of free events that they have, usually one, one or two a month. All right, cool. So 2016, what's on your plate? What are you looking forward to? What's exciting about this year? Yeah, it's going to be a big year. Uh, it already feels like it's flown by. I can't believe it's already Q, Q2. Yeah. So yeah, um, for me, the biggest thing is, is uh, this hackathon that we're, we're doing. I think we're, that's going to be uh, an interesting model that mm-hmm. I want to see. We could do maybe two, two more this year, but we're going to be doing a virtual hackathon on the 20, 21st and 22nd of mm-hmm. May, uh, which will be... Uh, all remote and mm-hmm. mostly, uh, mostly in, in uh, we'll probably have a, a location in Vancouver, but right. the idea would be remote and we would connect what's, international talent too. Okay. And what's the theme of the uh, hackathon? <laughs> this, no, no, uh, the companies are going to submit challenges and mm-hmm. kind of like theme is get a job. <laughs> the theme is get a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, hopefully uh, James and I will be able to take part in that as well. Um, and hopefully we have something to work on. Yeah, that'd be really awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have uh, Shopify, Microsoft, Hootsuite um, uh, committed already to, to be part of being part of it, as mm-hmm. well as um, my best helper, um, MuseFind, my green space, local uh, Vancouver startups. We'll probably be growing that to uh, five or six more companies. And so if people who are, are looking to, to get jobs at those companies, mm-hmm. uh, check out vanhack.com. Nice. So this is a virtual hackathon, you say. Is there going to be, um, are, or are there going to be places where people can actually uh, go and physically be in the yes. proximity of each other? Sure. Yes. In, in Vancouver, we'll definitely have something. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out where the best place is so far. I'm not sure. BCTA, Red Academy, we'll see. Not cool. Sure uh, do you, can yeah. you talk about the judges? Uh, there is a judging portion, right? Uh, yeah, it's up to the company. So we're, we're using something called DevPost, which mm-hmm. is uh, like a platform to host virtual hackathons and then every company will have a page and people will 
um, submit their challenges or their, sorry, their projects to the company. Um, and then the company's HR departments will, will judge and see if they want to interview the person. The goal really is like a virtual recruiting fair mm-hmm, um, cool. rather than like just a hacking on some like something for fun. Yeah, so they're actually the real goal here at the end of the day is to create something that can actually get you a job or yeah. get a job at a different company, one of these judging companies. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Um, that's kind of where I see the vision for Van Hack is to have hackathons happening all the time online. Okay. Kind of like what I was talking about having a coding challenge to get into Canada. Well, we can just do have a coding challenge to get into Microsoft and then they help you get into Canada and while the government tries to figure out the yeah. immigration laws. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty interesting. So uh, I guess a shout out to anybody who's uh, looking to hire and interested in hiring internationally, then yeah. get in touch. Yeah, definitely. And we have a lot of people here locally as well that mm-hmm. just like, um, you know, they might not understand the best way to go out and look for a job. Uh, we, we placed someone, a part-time front-end developer at a local uh, real estate marketing agency who's uh, he's studying he's a student but um yeah so we we do local as well mm-hmm. um but yeah the, the big i guess uh focus for us is we have tons of senior developers and designers who are interested and excited to move into canada if you're looking to hire them um and then if you are looking for a job i'm happy to get in t- touch with me and I'll chat, chat cool. with me awesome. as well. what's a good way to get a hold of you yeah yeah just ilya at fanhack.com yeah Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of VancouverTechPodcast.ca. That's our site. You can actually email us, too, at show at VancouverTechPodcast.ca. Or find us in the YVR Dev Slack. I'm at Drew. I'm at James. We're almost always online. You can actually get an invite to YVR Dev Slack if you haven't got one already at YVRDev.HerokuApp.com. See you there. Bye.